Greetings on this good day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work we're doing all around the world. You can go to traincpe.org, or you can follow all the links at our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our Missions Church Fellowship here in Boise, Idaho. And it's from that fellowship that we share with you God's Word today. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of that truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. In these first two verses of Second John, John reveals that as Christians we love one another in the truth, because of the truth, and by means of the truth, truth produces love. The early church made great gains, but these gains were driven by truth, breaking out in love. The church produced growth in its followers. They were growing. They were generating a spiritual growth in life, and the church grew numerically. Were people's lives being put back together? Yes. Was there harmony and unity? Read it again. Read Acts chapter 2. Yes, the end of it. We read it in our scripture reading this morning. But were any of these things the focus and concern of the church? Is this the argument that the church put forward for its validity? And the answer is no. The church did not engage in the science of experience, social impact, growth, therapy, or unity. They only gathered together to pursue the truth. And the truth became an environment to produce these other things. So here in 2 John, we have John's testimony of the impact that this truth had on all of them. It filled them with a love for the church and a love for one another. And John says that he loves this fellowship and all those who are in Christ also love this fellowship. Truth is the environment from which love sprang out from them to others. These next two points are very quick, but the other one says he loves you because of the truth. It was the cause of the truth that caused them to love one another. They had discovered something and learned something that had set them individually free from the guilt of sin, and they began to understand that this thing that they discovered, Christ dying for their sins and suffering in their place, had set them free from God's judgment and God's wrath, and They knew that it was alone, this power that had liberated them and set them free, that could set free their families and their friends and their nation and the world. And they took up the cause to make that known to others. In the midst of making known this truth to others, they found tremendous unity with one another. They also, as a result of taking up that cause and proclaiming to others, brought themselves under tremendous suffering. Their desire to make Christ known to other people set them apart and they suffered for it. John is writing to the church in Ephesus. You read about the church in Ephesus, and right from the beginning, there rises up tremendous persecution of the church. Out of their responsiveness to this truth, it had set them free, and they wanted to proclaim it to others, this truth. And as they went on mission, they also suffered tremendously. You know, I'm told that people who go into battle together find a kind of camaraderie, a certain kind of love that they can never replace in any other relationship in their life. They can never find that same kind of unity in other situations. And well, this early church was on mission together, and it was, I know this isn't very popular, but it was a church at war. If you don't believe it, 
read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 14, where the members of the church are told to arm themselves with the armor of God. And then after that, the term Paul says is you're to fall into ranks together. It's all militant. A militant desire to go out and sweep the world with a proclamation of the truth of the saving work of Jesus Christ and a profession of the love that he's poured out to wash men and cleanse men of their sin and set them free. But when they did those things, well, they suffered. When they did those things, they united. And they found the joy of proclaiming those things together and they also found the pain of proclaiming those things together. And as they did, well, they found they were loving one another. It was causing them to love one another. You find a church that's loveless, they're not pursuing the cause of Christ. You find people that are not loving one another, they're not committed to the cause of Christ. When they are, they love one another because they know they're in a battle together and they also discover the challenges and the hardships they might face, even with one another at times, are because they're trying to get the job done and do what God has called them to do. So at this point in time, we're kind of moving past just picking intellectual positions about what the Bible teaches. When we talk about claiming the truth, we're not talking about a bunch of boys building, you know, when it snows, they build a snow fort from which they can lob their snowballs at some other kids who have built a fort over there, right? We're not talking about coming to some theological position where we can take our positions and throw them at somebody else. We're talking about people who are around that truth, this redemptive, overwhelming truth Above everything else, commit to work together to make that truth known to as many as possible. And when they do, they love. And when we fall short in that love, really what it does is, among other things, it checks in our heart and we should pause and say, wait a second, are we pursuing our mission? Okay, this is a reminder. I, I need to renew myself in the commitment to make Christ known. I need to renew myself, not only in the commitment to do it myself, but to bring my brother and sister alongside me and say, what do we need to do to make Christ known? Then he says, ultimately, we not only love in the truth, but because of the truth, this mission that it's put us on, but we love by the truth. He says, this truth abides in us and will be in us forever. And now you know that he is not simply talking about absolute propositions of theological information, but he's talking about a relationship with an absolute person who lives in us and loves in us and transforms us. He says, it abides in us and will be with us forever. He's not just talking about information. Now it's all congealing in the person of Jesus Christ who's living in you and living in me. And ultimately, the truth is not just an intellectual understanding, but their ideas and their doctrines that find their source in a person. Jesus is the truth. He lives in us and he'll be in us forever and that's why Christians rejoice in the truth. Because when a Christian hears the truth, and when we even hear the truth together and we study the truth, it resonates with the life that is in us. If hearing the great doctrines of the faith and the truth of God's salvation doesn't create unity with other Christians around you, it's because it's just an intellectual bit of information you know, but it's not in your heart. Because if the Lord Jesus is living within you, and you are exposed to, and you come within the hearing of his great truths, it strikes a chord with his own life within you. He rises up within you in affirmation and with joy and pleasure in those things, and you experience it yourself, and that binds you to the other person because he's experiencing it too. 
I've traveled overseas. I've had these opportunities to speak to individuals who I have no cultural connection with. I mean, their dads were cannibals, right? In Erie and Jaya. Their dads became Christians, but their grandfathers were just cannibals. There was no transition in their life. Just a couple generations shifted. They've just maybe in their lives been able to grasp that the first one of the generation of the family that actually knew how to read and study. And they haven't yet broke open, you know, Calvin's Institutes yet. They haven't somehow got a systematic theology by Augustus Strong yet. They just have their Bibles. We get together and we talk about the truths of God and we, we weep together. And our eyes glisten with tears of pleasure and joy. And it's because the Spirit of God is delighted within us over the same things. You know, when my kids were growing up, you know when I actually particularly think of the times when we really enjoyed ourselves, it was when they were entering into things. When we kind of enjoyed life together. It was when they were entering into things and they were enjoying things that I remember enjoying myself. So it was playing a certain sport. It would be like... I remember one time on a Saturday afternoon sitting down and finding my kids laughing their heads off and they were watching a Jerry Lewis movie. For whatever reason, it made me feel really good and bound to them because I remember doing the exact same thing when I was a kid, the exact same stuff, right? If you've given your life to the Lord Jesus, he's forgiven you of all your sins and he lives inside of you and he's sharing life with you. And when you come upon his truths the very things he teaches, and you delight in those things, and you take joy in those things, he laughs along with you. He takes pleasure with you as well. That experience, Christ in you, produces in you and out of you a love for one another, a love for one another. Christ in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let me just give you four quick applications. I'm just going to read them. I want to make sure this is practical in some way for the body of Christ. The first application is this. Truth is not the enemy of love. That's the first thing we're learning. It's not the enemy of love. Truth is actually the activating agent of love. It's the activating agent of love. The second thing is this. If we would love better, we must appreciate and grow in that truth. If we would love better, we better get to the truth and get back to the truth and reside in it and rejoice in it and live in it and celebrate it. Third thing Any celebration of a truth claimed from God's word that excludes us from love for the body of Christ and for certain parts of its members is either a truth wrongly held or a truth wrongly understood. It's either a truth wrongly held. I'm not saying it's not truth. You're holding it the wrong way. Or you're understanding it the wrong way because it will foster in you a love for the body of Christ. And interestingly enough, John doesn't say that I just love the body of Christ that is doing all the right things. I rejoice that some are walking in the truth, but I love them all, he says. Fourth one is this. I think in our age, we have thought that the apologetic or the proof of our faith was our truth and that love was the power behind it, but we were wrong. The apologetic or proof of our faith is our love. And the power behind our love is the truth. It's the truth. So, let the world see our love. And let the church seek truth. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Now, 
we're not just sharpening our swords. Now we're not ready just to joust with the fellowship down the road or one another over a point of doctrinal clarification. Now we're surrendering in the great gladdening truth of a Savior who died for us. The certain knowledge that we can't save ourselves by our own good works, that there's nothing in us, that sin is so deep and so profound that there's no way out from it, apart from the grace of God found in a Savior who loved us and identified with us and took upon himself our sin and died and suffered in our place and rose again from the grave to come back to us to freely offer us cleansing from that sin, forgiveness from that sin, his own life within us, transforming us and changing us. And through that, offer us eternal life in this very hour and for all eternity. Oh, that truth. Oh, oh, that truth is something to celebrate and live in and to unite our hearts around. God, learning that truth, how we ought to be forgiving ourselves and ought to be giving ourselves and ought to be loving as you've loved. Embed us in that, we pray. Sweep over us in that, we pray. And we'll give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest to you two websites you can visit. First, go to traincpe.org to learn about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And to learn more about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.